Welcome back to the Nameless Packers pod. And uh, Aaron, let me just stop there because this is the last time it's going to be called the Nameless Packers pod, isn't it? It is. It is. We got a name, guys. I'm excited about that. It's a very special show. Uh, we've got Clayton from Packers All Access on and had a heck of a time just t- going deep on football. Yeah. Which is what myself, Brady Augustine, and the football girl, Aaron Knapp, my co-host, are all about. Let's jump into it. We've got something we want to talk about that's a little serious first, and then we're going to walk you through the naming of the show, and then we're going to turn it over to Clayton and talk some football. How does that sound? Sounds great. All right. Maybe a prediction at the end. We'll talk the line a little bit too. Sure. All right, so last week, week nine, started the NFL program for Salute to Service. And I'm, I'm a little hesitant because I don't want to get too emotionally deep into it, but you guys who watch me on my live show uh, see any of the stuff I do, to be quite honest, know that I, you know, I lost my best friend to cancer, and he was a Navy seaman. He was irradiated on a submarine. The Salute to Service means something to me. I've sung the Star Spangled Banner at multiple high school games for college for semi-pro basketball games and the country means something to me now it doesn't mean I always agree with what it does but when the NFL puts together the salute to service it's just really a special time for me and and they they get the special gear on the sidelines which I thought was super cool yeah so um, I just want to mention you know weeks 9 through 11 uh, let's just remember to think about and be thankful for those who stand in the gap overseas at home and abroad uh, the men and women of the military. And and shout out John. Yeah. And you got somebody you want to honor too today, don't you? For salute to service. Yeah, my grandfather. My grandfather, he, yeah. he fought in the war and he's been gone a few years now, maybe like 10, more than 10 years now. But uh, he was the first person to ever really tell me I was smart. I get that I'm pretty a lot from mm-hmm. a lot of people, but he was the first man in my life to ever tell me that I was smart and capable of doing whatever I want to do in life. So, yeah. Well, that's very good. And you need those kind of people in your lives. And yeah, yeah. Yes. so and they happen to be both in the same cemetery here in Johnson City, which yeah. I think is kind of cool. So, All right, so rest in peace to the, both of those and uh, salute to the men and women of service. I just, I kind of love this time of year. And I really did love the Packers gear. I thought yeah, it was super, too. super cool. So that's always great. Uh, but Aaron, yeah, we've got a, We've got a name for the show. Yeah. Are you excited? I'm, I'm really excited. I'm so stoked. I'm and I and I know what, what it is, and they don't. You guys <laughs> don't, don't just yet. Some of you know where it's headed, but uh, you want to tell them how this. I mean, we basically pulled out on the Facebook group and and did on my lives, and then also sent it over to YouTube to see what you guys wanted to name the show, and we started out with what six I think names that we were gonna run. Yeah, we've got them right here. Six names. Do you want me to name them? Yeah, off? go ahead. Okay, these are the ones that we had um, originally that everybody pulled on. So, Packer Nation Playbook, Hot Cheese, a Packers Pod, Packer, <laughs> I can't help it. Packer Nation Pod, Packer Nation Overtime Station. Doot, doot. We could have done that. <laughs> doot, doot. <laughs> Packers Uncensored. And Packers Uncut. Those were our six finalist names that everybody got to. Okay, well, what were the results for those? Because what I did, just what I did from that is I took the two that looked like they, people were really running with. Yeah. And then we pulled those. It was clear. So So we had two obvious front runners from that list. The first one was Hot Cheese, a Packers pod. And the second one was Packers Uncensored. Both I mean, they're really all good. good Both yeah, are right? really good names. Yeah, it's no right? wonder Packer Nation is smart. They're picking some good names. Yeah. All right. So then, what happened? We threw up the two and let them go head to head, which I I kind of yes. like that idea that we had two that were pretty much head and shoulders above the rest. But of the two, the landslide victory. Okay. Can I get a drum roll? <laughs> I'm just kidding. The new name of the Nameless Packers Pod is Hot, Hot Cheese. Cheese. Packers I'm, pod. <laughs> I'm so happy. And I I, I, I kind of let on that that's the one I wanted. And it is. Yeah. It is. We had people on the live show just like, you could brand it this way. You could make t-shirts. You could have. Yeah. So I, I think my statement was that I just want to have, how many, how lucky can a guy be 
to have a reason to say hot cheese every week. I just can't wait. It's just going to be so much fun. Who doesn't love hot cheese? I know. I mean. I love hot cheese. Yeah. I mean, even those who are dairy intolerant, not to name any names, <laughs> probably still love it. Yeah. If yeah. I'm going to eat cheese, it's going to be hot. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you know, it was interesting because we sat down and we tried to figure out what we were going to name the podcast before mm-hmm. we started. And, and the idea came about that let's call it Nameless and let Packer Nation name it. And mm-hmm. it's really been weird. This is also episode number 10. So this is the first time in double digits, yeah. which is nice. Uh, it's our naming show. We yeah. now have, we are no longer have the identity crisis. And and frankly, somebody got on and said, hey, I kind of like the name Nameless Packers Pot. So. I know, I know. But it's hard to brand a name called Nameless, you right. know? But right, Hot right, Cheese, right. Oh, we're going to have so much fun branding this one. Buckle up, Packer Nation. The we're graphics. Coming. If you guys have any graphics, oh, experience, yeah. ideas, and you want to just throw, throw them our way, we'll give you a shout out. Shoot. Heck yeah. We'll find some sort of way to pay you for it, but... Yeah. That's kind of where we're at. Yeah, yeah. Any logo makers out in Packer Nation. Because, and that's the thing is like, if I'm a graphic designer and I hear that name, like my brain is just <laughs> like, you were all, she was already calling up pictures. We I already know. got ideas. Kind it's just going to be so much fun. But yeah, but this is kind of the end of that process. And mm-hmm. it's really kind of interesting looking back. And we've come a long way. Having Clayton on today was really fun. And I think too, uh, one of the benefits of doing this with you is, I think I'm learning more about football. And isn't that kind of all we want to do, you know, whether yeah. you're a Packers fan or a fan of another? I want to learn more about football and especially talking to guys like Clayton and, and some of the folks, Paul Brettel and, and Ryan Schlipp, the guys that we've had a chance to talk to, has really done that. So, mm-hmm. all right. Well, is there uh, – you have, I believe, a chef's kiss, though, because we did win a game, too. We did. We don't want to forget about that. Finally. Packers over the Rams, 20-3. to three, Yeah. And your chef's kiss is? The play that everybody's talking about. It's, uh, it's what we call – uh, Hollywood, I guess. Hollywood we'll, now. That's a little, you know. There you go. A little insider info now, too. Yeah, we'll you guys will educated. hear more about that with our special guest if you're interested in hearing more about that play breakdown. But we're talking about the play that gave Luke Musgrave his first touchdown of the season and his career start. And it was a beautiful, beautiful play. And mm-hmm. we're just really happy for him. He's going to yep. be my rookie of the week, too. All right. You can double down on that. No problem. Double down on it. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to give my chef's kiss to Jordan Love, who I thought had a solid, consistent, and and Clayton has an even higher regard for his game. Having pro- and, and I didn't watch as much film this week either, so hearing him say that, on, I, I, this is one of the most important cogs. It, it's the most important cog in this Packers youth movement and how they're going to move into the future. We're not there yet. You could still be of the opinion, you know, I'm not sure about Jordan. I'm not sure Sure. just yet. But you want the kid to have some success. He went out there, played some pretty dang consistent football, didn't throw the the ball perfectly every time, but got the Packers a win, uh, kind of against all odds when everybody was was against him. So I'll give it to Jordan Love. Yeah. And he is a rookie full-time starting quarterback, too. So we'll double down on that. Yeah. Well, anything else you need to talk about? You want to do your line? Did you? I think you had some ideas on that because it's what? The line is three, and uh, a half. three, three and a half. Yeah. yeah, Packers are underdogs in this one as we go into Steel City. Steel City, baby. <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> I'm glad I do the video. <laughs> She's going to be wearing You're going to edit that out? Oh, that's terrible. That's terrible. <laughs> I'm not wearing green. That's part of what the green screen is for. <laughs> We talked a little bit about this with Clayton. He gave us his prediction, so stay tuned for that. But mm-hmm. it's over under 39 and a half. He took the under. I'm going to take the under. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And I won't give his call, but I think he might be pretty close on that. Yeah, yeah. tough defense. I mean, I think, again, having a, a scoring in the first half is one of the keys to the game. Yeah. Jordan Love not turning the ball over. That's going to be huge in this one. Uh, you don't you know. Aaron Donald is a beast. But T.J. Watt and that Steelers defense, you know, is going to be coming after him and knowing he's a young quarterback. So keep feeding Aaron Jones. It sounds like and it looked like he's like close to 100 percent. I'm sure he's not 100 percent, but 20 carries and we fight all of a sudden we win, you know. And so I think you got to offensively, you got to limit the turnovers, feed Aaron Jones. Hopefully the offensive line continues defensively. Just have the same attitude you had last week. And, yeah. and I'll be, okay, maybe we won't be perfect. We probably won't. Kenny Pickett's a young quarterback, too. Their offense is not like, they're not 
super dynamic or anything. And so if they go out there and have that kind of attitude, I think they're going to get home a time or two. They had 10 penalties last week. Against That's two more than the Packers. The Titans. So wow. I'm calling this, I am declaring this right now. This is going to be my penalty game of the penalty year. Penalty game of the year. Yeah, of really? the year. Okay, over and under 20. Uh, over. Over. <laughs> over. This is going to be the slowest dragged out most painful game of the season it's gonna last four hours so hunker down all right gonna last four hours make sure you have a really good lunch before this game starts so how it's many, gonna be forever how many points is anders carlson gonna score i'm upset with anders he missed another one I'm upset with him this right week. before the half you try to double down is you get the listening? ball back after the half anders yes he's is of course they all listen to us it's, yeah, it's, well, I'll tell you what I saw on that play. Um, I think we might have time. To me, the, the snap was behind, and the holder got the ball up. Mm-hmm. And I watched this again, and I think this might be correct. His shoulder pads were not square. I think he, he turned it in too much. Yeah. And he, and he hooked it. Now, that might not be why. It might not be his shoulders. It might be because of that bad snap, the holder got the ball in a bad position. Because Mason, you know, these kickers have to have their ball, the ball put in exactly the right position to be able to get, you know, you got to strike it in a certain spot. Yeah. One of those two things, I think, is what happened. I would say he probably just oversquared it and, and, and overkicked it. Now, we need to say, though, since he's your guy, kind of, mm-hmm. he shouldn't have had to kick from there in the first place. You know, a false start, the Jaden Reed false start, you should have had, I mean, that might have been a good kick. So. Yeah. So are you off the bandwagon? Or are you no, hanging I'll all right, all right, stay all right. on it. I'll stay, stay on it. it. You're going to sink with that shit. <laughs> I will. Die on that mountain. I will. <laughs> Burn in that building. All right, so Aaron, once again, we have another special guest. Yes. I'm, I'm really excited. Do you want to know why we keep getting these guys on? They just keep, it, they keep agreeing to come on. The Packers gods are hearing our cries. Oh, I was going to say because they don't have to smell me, but oh. <laughs> but yeah, I like your answer better. Uh, yeah, we got Clayton from Packers Total Access, and we are going to talk some serious football, folks. If you love serious football and going deep, which I love and will nerd out on all day long with, you're going to love this interview with Clayton. Yeah, let's shoot over to the interview. Clayton from Total Access on the line. Aaron, I'm pretty excited about this one. We got a real football guy this time around. So yeah, um, yeah another special guest, another week. Always fun. Clayton, thank you so much for jumping on and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into talking Packers. Well, I grew up a very small boy in the coal fields of Eastern. Con- no, I'm just joking. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, I'm originally from Kentucky. You could probably tell I got the uh, the whole Appalachian thing going on here with the accent, but uh, um, moved to Knoxville right out of high school. And uh, it's funny, I didn't ever, I didn't really have a pro team. And I uh, was a big, big college football fan, like I was telling Aaron just a second ago. My brother kind of forced me to be a Steelers fan as I was a kid, right? But, uh, yeah. That's she's how most me. Steelers fans come about. <laughs> exactly. So I'm living in Knoxville, and uh, I dropped into Best Buy one day on lunch break and, and uh, seen a DVD set that said the history of the Green Bay Packers. And I'm thinking, man, I'm hearing all this about legendary Lambeau Field and all this jazz. So I'm like, I'm going I'm to see what this is all about. So I took that DVD set home, watched it, and literally – it was less than a week later I was watching Packers Bears at Lambeau. Like and I've been hooked ever since. That was in two thousand and three. So that's as, as good as it gets, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How about uh the YouTube channel? How'd you end up doing that? Yeah, so with it, um, you know, just been a football junkie ever since two thousand three, pro football junkie. And uh, you know, listen to Ryan Schlipp, uh Packernet Podcast, obviously, mm-hmm. hands down my favorite podcast. And he had put a post up on Facebook saying, hey, thinking about launching a few more shows with the network. And if anybody's interested in potentially being a host, uh, reach out. And I showed my wife it and and she was like, you going to do it? And I'm like, nah. And, and she literally just like everything good that's happened in my life. It came from my wife forcing me to do something right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So we uh, I sent in a little audition uh, uh, audio, I guess you could say. And Ryan said, hey, you're hired. So um, jumped on board with him roughly a year and a half ago. I uh, didn't have a clue what I was doing, but that's how that's how you learn, right? So uh, right. here we are. It's been a blast, man. It's been a lot of fun. It, it's crazy because you come in thinking, you know, I'm sure Ryan was looking for people to add value to the network. But for me, yeah. it's made me a better football fan because I'm having to dig deeper. I'm having to be, you know, a little, a little better versed in the whole situation. So it's been a lot of fun, man. Yeah, yeah. I 
totally hear you on that. It's the same thing here with doing a podcast and having somebody accountable for you, you know, knowing what you're talking about. So uh, I, I got a question for you real quick here. Um, first out of the gate. So this has been, I don't think it's a far cry or a misnomer to call this a mistake riddled offensive performance thus far this year. What is your take on all these mistakes and penalties the offense has had? Is this, is this a coaching issue? You got a super young team and a coach that refuses to use that as, as, as an excuse. Are guys in the wrong place at the wrong time? Do we have a quarterback that we're unsure of? What, what, have you been able to put your finger on anything? I know it's a, a multitude of issues. Yeah, and really that's the boring answer, right? It's the accurate one, Brady. Um, it yeah. is a multitude of issues. It is a young team. It's the, to the best of my knowledge, the youngest team in the league. Um, yep. You know, for me, when you have mistakes the way you have them, the easy answer is it's bad coaching, right? And sure. I, I try to kind of reserve that opinion. And then, you know, one of my frequent guests is Mike Wall, right? Mike Wall obviously played 11 yep. years in the NFL as an offensive lineman, went to a Pro Bowl, uh, played for the Packers for several years. I can't remember, it was either seven or nine years. Yeah. And uh, when I asked him this question, he's like, man, when I watch, when I turn on the tape and I see the technique, especially specifically to the offensive line, which I think we would all agree that's the majority of the mistakes that are happening. He said, I don't know what they're teaching over there. I don't, I, I see a lack of fundamentals, all those things. Right. I think if you couple that, you know, I hate to say bad coaching as if I could do better. Right. That's not what I'm saying, but right. that's what pops out. And then that with, with Brian Gutekunst's drafting style, I think everyone would acknowledge and, and agree that, He's looking for high upside guys. He's looking for high athletic guys, right? High, high RAS, although they're not going off RAS. It's us. Like I say, it's, you know, the civilians version of the athletic score. It's yeah, RAS. Exactly. We so, got what we got. Yeah. So I think what you're doing is you're drafting high upside guys. And, uh, you know, the, the downside to that and the reason that they may even be available uh, when the Packers pick in, in some occasions is, uh, you know, the fact that they're inexperienced. You know, people talked about how Luke Musgrave was very inexperienced. You know, he was injured most of the year last year. And uh, and on down the line, really, Christian Watson, another one, right? You can see he's got – his ceiling is just endless. There's there's endless possibilities there with, with how good he can be. But um, he's just a raw talent right now, right? So mm -hmm. I think you couple – them not focusing on the fundamentals, maybe leaning a little too much on scheme, and that's what Mike talks about a lot. He said I, he said he cringed when he heard Matt Lafleur say earlier in the year, "This is nothing that scheme can't fix." And he, I mean, you could see his face get red when he told me that on the pod. So, but <laughs> in Mike's business, he that's what he does. He teaches football, right? He trains yeah. even starting at an early age. So that's yeah. kind of the way I see. It. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, um, I, I do have a follow up on that one because I. I I have a little bit of a gripe with the lined up in the neutral zone calls. And, and I imagine you're the same way, but I hate it when stupid players make stupid mistakes. But when, when they call, when the refs call the wrong number, I feel like if those coaches didn't all directly receive from the, from the NFL notification that this was going to be a, a point of emphasis, which is the, the excuse they gave, they need to let these guys play the ball game or at least make sure you get the right guy on the sideline, knowing that he's the one that got called for it. That to me is somewhat unexcusable. Yeah. You know, I, I was watching that game. I actually put a tweet out during the, during the, uh, during the game and my tweet, pardon my language, but was, it was real simple. I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like I've, I've been watching football for, you know, really football in general since roughly 1990 right mm -hmm. and i don't ever remember offensive linemen being called for offsides when it appears as if they're behind the line of scrimmage now i've learned a couple of things since then digging into it and hearing mark tauscher talk about this right. was that the entire length of the football is actually the neutral zone so the yeah. the mm -hmm. offensive lineman has to be behind that so yeah. even with that it's kind of a wishy-washy call but the thing that sticks out to me brady um is like I said, although it was a first for me, it seems like the NFL cherry picked and said, you know what, why don't we take this game where these two teams are probably not competing for a playoff spot and let's put the emphasis on it just to kind of prove a point here. Kind of feels like that, but then again, we might have to cue up the uh, conspiracy music for that to be true. Right? So, that's right. that's kind of the way I see it. Well, and a few weeks ago, there was a Minnesota player in the Minnesota game. They're taking their helmets off and he got warned instead of, flagged i mean there's just some weird stuff going on we've highlighted so 
It's 2023, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It's a bizarre, bizarre football season. I don't like it. You don't like it? I don't like it. And I think, you know, Matt LaFleur's face was pretty evident that he didn't really he, understand it or like yeah, it either. He yeah. was kind of like, what? What the actual, yep. Um, so we talked, you talked a little bit about Luke Musgrave, and I want to talk about his success in this game against the Rams. And I went over to your Twitter page and I saw that you did a breakdown of this play and I loved it. I thought it was excellent because it was a play that kind of went, I mean, it was great to see him get that his first touchdown, but to see it broken down and to see kind of the beauty and how it was mm -hmm. orchestrated and executed was really fun. So I want to talk a little bit about that Luke Musgrave touchdown play. And I want you to, to give us a little bit of that insight from your Twitter video and how you broke that down. Got it. Yeah. It's funny. The chalk talk episodes we do probably get the most feedback. They don't get the most views, but they get the most feedback. <laughs> and I honestly think it's just people, they you you hear my natural accent come out a little bit more as I start to nerd out over football, right? And I think they just like to hear it because it makes them feel way more intelligent, you know, when they hear <laughs> me throw what should be four or five syllables into two. <laughs> but with that being said, it was you're right, Aaron. It was uh, to me, it's the best play of the year so far. Same and granted, here. we got a lot of football left, a lot of ball game left, but mm -hmm. um, it was a blast to watch that play unfold and and. You know, as you're watching the game in real time, you don't pick up on the little minute details, right? Which we would consider minute, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's what made this play go. So, you know, it was cool. They came out in a 21 personnel, right? Two running backs, yeah. one tight end. They had the uh, when when they come out in the 21 personnel. First of all, this play is actually called Hollywood, right? By Matt Lafleur, that's what it's called in the playbook. And I think it's awesome because there's so many moving parts. When you think Hollywood, you think of acting, you think of putting on a show, you think mm -hmm. of, you know, special effects, all those things. Um, but they call it a 21 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, which typically triggers the base defense. In the Rams case is a 34 defense. And on top of that, we come out, we flex the T to the slot, which simply means we move the running back to the slot formation. So now you've got A.J. Dillon as the sole back, the, the sidecar right to Jordan Love. And then on top of that, when you, when you do that, when you flex the T out, what it does is it forces the coverage, right? It forces whether it's a safety, a linebacker, a corner, whatever, to kind of go out there and align. Not that you're necessarily showing man coverage, but you're aligning over the T. So you're kind of forcing their hand in that regard. You also lighten the box a little bit because with a 21 triggering a 34 base, you got a little bit heavier box. You flex the T out. Now they got to take an extra body out, what we call hat count. Um, so they did that. Then on top of that, you use a T orbit motion. So you, now you're bringing Aaron Jones, the running background on orbit motion, which is behind the quarterback. So when you, when you cause the orbit motion, what you do is you force a late shift in the defense. Not only is it moving, moving the pieces in place where you want them to be moved, but also mentally think about what it, the mental uh, space it has to occupy. Like, okay, what are they doing here? And you're becoming a little more hesitant. Yeah. And um, have to communicate it too. Absolutely. Yeah. So they're, you know, I'm sure they're throwing out hand signals, things like that. So with the T orbit motion, it forces a late shift. And then you've got, uh, as soon as the ball snapped, you've got two guards that are pulling away from each other, right? You know, typically in a power play, whether you're going weak or power G, GT, whatever, they're typically moving in unison. Well, they go opposite directions, right? So from the defense's perspective, the defenders, the linebackers primarily, or the safety that's in the box, if there is one, they're keying in on the offensive line first as soon as the ball snapped because the offensive line will tip the hand quicker than the back will, quicker than the quarterback will on the fake. So they pull out, right? That forces the linebackers from the middle of the field. So they take a half a step, full step away from the middle of the field. Now you're putting them in a, in a little bit better spot for you offensively. You've got the X fade on the outside, right? And I told you I'm going to nerd out. If you ask the question, you're guilty, oh, yeah. not me. you got the X fade. What that's doing – is down the sideline is that's occupying the free safety because his responsibility in that specific look is to help bracket that coverage on the outside. So you take him out of the play. Um, that's something I think a lot of people miss. And then Musgrave with the timing on the leak. And, and what I mean by leak is it's simply you're showing block, you're showing run block, and then you're releasing on a delayed release, what we refer to as a leak. He leaks out in the inside. He held that block just long enough that that backer bites on the guard that's pulling to the right. And now he's just free selling to the end zone. So, and then the the cherry on the Sunday, 
was the double swing fake where Jordan mm. fakes, the oh, swing yeah. left, fakes the swing right, and that opened everything up. It was just a beautiful play call. And I've been one, Brady, Aaron, all year long. I'm going, let's stop trying to get cute. We can't even run an inside yeah, zone right. getting a penalty. But this is a little different because what you're doing is you're faking, you're showing the illusion of complexity with uh, the horizontal attack, and you're actually attacking vertically down the field. I'm totally cool with that. So great play call, in my opinion, the best play call Coach LaFleur's had all year long. And I hope we see more of it. And I think it is, it does, uh, it would kind of come full circle here. I think it, uh, what it's proof of is Musgrave is getting more comfortable in his offense with him having a good game here. It was, it was exciting, man. And listen, it was the Rams with a backup quarterback. I got it, but let us have our dub for once, man. It's been a rough year. Yeah. Their de defense still had Aaron Donald who just, who splits double teams and runs Jordan love down. But yeah. So, I mean, I am a hundred percent with you on that. That play to me was so well, this is what this offense can be when Matt LaFleur's offense is well called and well executed and, and the way it stresses defense, north and south, east and west, in mentally and yeah. physically. And if it's executed well and, and, and then just, you know, you, sometimes when you're nerding out on football, sometimes it's nice to just sit back and watch for green grass. <laughs> and, I mean, on that play, everything just works together to open that middle. And all Musgrave has to do is act his part out right, Hollywood, yep. and you get plays like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, I'm not sure I'm clear on this. Haven't you had to go to bat for Joe Barry at times during the season with all the fire Joe Barry talk? Brady, I can't live a second of my life without being <laughs> – I mean, people have got to think that that – that that he's he's got to be like my long lost uncle or something, right? <laughs> There's no doubt about it. You know, with with Joe Barry, um, I have you'll never find any of my pods or any situation where I've ever said that that Joe Barry is a great defensive coordinator. You know, mm -hmm. my job is to watch the tape and then try to convey to the listeners what we're seeing on the tape. And that's hard to do in podcast form, but on YouTube, it's a little bit easier. What I'm seeing on tape early in the year is these guys are missing tackles and they're blowing coverages. And now you can take a step back and go, okay, let's forget the players are even on the field. If they hadn't blown the coverage, if they hadn't missed the tackle, was it a good play call? And I'm telling you, man, 95% of the time I find myself going, that's a good play call. That's a good look. That's a good, you know, yes, you're going to have Preston Smith out in coverage from time to time, right? Which, by the way, he's doing pretty well in coverage when he's not on Devontae Adams, but no one wants to admit that because that doesn't fit the narrative of we've got to fire Joe Barry. Right, um, right. So with that being said, you know, the big thing for me with Joe Barry and, uh, and quote, unquote, going to bat for him is uh, I would like to see another defensive coordinator next year, one that could get a little more out of this defense. But for someone to try to, to to convince me that, hey, this is Joe Barry's fault, I just don't see it. I don't. I see, again, kind of like back to the the penalties, uh, Brady, you know, it's it's inexperience, right? I mean, look, right. look at their secondary. You, this, this past Sunday, you're talking about Anthony Johnson Jr., right, late yep. round pick, playing safety. Yep. You got Jonathan Owens, who yep. had the, the next to last – lowest right pff grade in all of football last year okay <laughs> and somehow we go up against another nfl team and hold them to three points but but we need to fire the defensive coordinator it just it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me so you got inexperience and that and goody likes to draft you know prospects that's high ras high athletic score and uh maybe not as good at the fundamentals you know now, when you say you might be interested in moving to something, a different defensive coordinator next year, if I heard you right, what, what do you mean by that? Are you, you know, we're, we're playing this sort of between the twenties ball. You're expecting that you're going to at some point be able to get a team into third and long, and then you're trying to build a team that can get to the quarterback in third and long. Mm -hmm. What, what would you be looking more aggression? Is that what you're kind of looking for? Because then of course there's trade-offs for that too. Right. It's actually quite the opposite. When, uh -huh. when I look at, schematics when i look at what's happening on the field i don't find myself going we need to be more aggressive or we need to play softer or any of those you know uh, very very vague terms that people throw out um, what i find myself saying is these guys aren't being coached on the fundamentals so uh -huh. joe barry as the schemer love it but when you've uh -huh. got seven eight nine first round picks whatever it is on the defensive side of the ball granted they all haven't been on the field this year but when you've got those high draft picks and they're missing tackles 
they're blowing coverages, then it tells me there's some kind of a gap there between the defensive coordinator slash position coaches teaching the defense properly as opposed to, hey, here's the play call, right? And one thing that a lot of people don't acknowledge and other than, you know, from us fans, they don't acknowledge it, but Joe Barry's mentioned it, Jair Alexander's mentioned it, Rasul mentioned it when he was here, that they have a lot of freedom to line up where they want to line up. When you see these soft looks pre-snap, people immediately think Joe Barry's in the headset with all 11 players on the field saying, hey, line up 12 yards off the line. That's not how it works, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you're playing different splits very differently. And then on top of that, what you have is they're giving the defenders freedom to line up where they want to line up from a secondary standpoint. You know, safeties have to be in the right spot, absolutely. But Jair came out and said it. Yep. You know, I like to play off the ball. And they're trying to coach that out of me. They're trying to get me to play up a little bit. So I'm going to try to do that more this year. So those are the things that the, uh, I'm going to say a hot button term here, the Joe Barry haters refuse to acknowledge. They'll do this and move right on back to this is all Joe Barry's fault. So, um, again, I don't think he's a great defensive coordinator, but as far as his play calling, man, it's uh, with the exception of a few plays that I scratched my head for the most Mm -hmm. part. I think he's called a great year. I mean, we pointed it out. Everybody likes to point on D, look the DVOA. I, I don't care about those type of analytics. When you go to Lambeau Field and watch the Packers play, you don't look up on the scoreboard and go, all right, what's our DVOA? It's right. you're either scoring more points than the other team or you're not. And the fact of the matter is, when it comes to scoring points per game or allowing points per game, this is a top 10 defense. And people said, oh, well, that that's kind of a skewed stat. Okay, let's go to yards per play. They're actually sixth in yards per play. This is a legit top 10 defense. Now, they've played weak teams. they played weak offenses. Absolutely. We're about to find out if that's legit or if it is just uh, them uh, benefiting from playing weak offenses, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I have the old cliche, defense wins championships. I very frequently will say points wins championships because you either stop the other team from getting them or you get them yourself. And I am just want to say quickly, I'm a hundred percent with you on the fundamental stuff that drives me crazy. It absolutely does. Yeah. It's nuts for sure. And you know, I'm a, I'm a fat out of shape, 41 year old guy, right? I'm it's hilarious. Me sitting on the couch going, look at these guys. They don't know how to tackle. <laughs> I know. Oh, God. I pulled a butt cheek walking downstairs to get a beer. Yeah. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I kind of have a little imposter syndrome sometimes. I've never I've never played a single snap of football in my life. Well, <laughs> well, well, we've got flag is coming to the Olympics. Flag football. You're gonna be trying out this year. Yeah. Apparently yeah. Brady's uh thrown me in for tryouts. So yeah. he's your know. agent, right? <laughs> yeah, he's yep. my yep. agent, apparently. <laughs> I'm gonna have to start conditioning. I wanted to speak just a little bit more about the um, defensive line especially since, you know, we have had some Joe Barry haters out there and they haven't had, they've been way more solid for us than the O-line for sure this season, but they've still had their issues. But as of this game with the Rams, I mean, Matt LaFleur had nothing but fantastic things to say about multiple players on the defensive line and on the defense in general. So just talking about the the D-line, I think it's really starting to come together this season. What are your thoughts on it? Yeah, you know, it's uh... – it's been kind of up and down. They've had flashes for sure. I think that you, the conversation should always steer back to uh, Brian Gutekunst and how he drafts, right? You know, the big thing that if you were to go look at PFF and look at some of the other analytics, it suggests that our run defense, the defensive line's run defense, isn't nowhere near as effective as our pass rush, right? And when you look at how Brian Gutekunst is drafted, that's what he's drafted for is pass rush. You know, Devontae Wyatt, excellent pass rusher, one of the best defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen as far as win rate in the pass rush. But when you watch him in run defense, he's out of control. He plays very reckless. He's in and out of other people's gaps, things like that. So um, I think that the defensive line definitely have flashes. I, I feel like as bad as it hurts me to say this because – He's one of my favorite players. Kenny Clark has definitely underperformed, especially when you're talking about, you know, $27.5 million towards the cap, right? But uh, other than that, this team is built by Brian Gutekunst to get after the quarterback and then we'll play the run second. That marries up pretty well with Joe Barry's style of defense, the Fangio style, which is quarters, right? And when, when we say quarters, it doesn't mean they run quarters all the time. That's another big misconception that, 
that people think we're just playing soft and playing quarters all the time. And it's really not the case. You've seen a lot of, a lot of cover one. You've you've seen cover one press. You've seen cover one hole. You've seen cover one robber. We've seen some zero blitz that we showed last game. We've seen some fire zone blitz. They, they play a multitude of defenses, but when, when your bread and butter is quarters, with zone match, man match principles, right? That's what they call zone match, where they have man principles with different keys within the defense. I won't bore you with all those details, but um, I think that you're playing bend but don't break. You're trying to control the explosive plays, which, by the way, to the best of my knowledge, this year they haven't given up one explosive play in the past when they're in quarters, uh, quarter, quarter, half, or um, your normal you know, uh, spot drop look. Every time they've gave up an explosive play in the passing game, maybe not every time, a large majority of the time, it's been against man coverage, right? And that's the negative aspect of man coverage. So um, I just mentioned that because that secondary and that style has to marry up with how you're drafting, right, your defensive linemen. And I think they're drafting their defensive linemen to say, hey, look, we're willing to give up the run. We're not going to give up the explosive runs. We're not going to give up the explosive passes. And you can score on them, but it's going to take 15 plays and a whole lot of time and a whole lot of consistency with you not making mistakes. But um, as far as the defensive line, one thing I am excited about is uh, T.J. Slayton. I think he's highly underrated. I'd like to see him on the field more in nickel, although when you put him in at nickel, you're taking someone else off the field, right? So you've got to yeah. take that into account. And also you're kind of you're kind of shallow. You're kind of – what am I trying to say here? You're kind of weak at nose tackle as far as depth on the roster. So they're trying to protect him in that regard too, because if something does happen to TJ Slate and he goes down with an injury, now your 34 base is a little more vulnerable because right. he is a traditional nose tackle. So um, yeah, all in all, I think they've shown flashes, but I think they're doing exactly what they were drafted to do, which is, you know, get after the quarterback. Right. All right. Now on to another, um, a Jordan love hater question, I guess is what it is. You know, and this started, you saw the Chiefs game and and probably listened to the podcast, and there was a lot of concern about Jordan Love's accuracy, and I think some of it is legit. I am interested in your take. I talk a lot about the difference between accuracy and ball placement. There's a difference between a quarterback not being able to get the ball where he wants to get it and a ball and a quarterback getting it to the wrong place, but it is where he wanted to get it. And to me, one is kind of fairly easily, more easily repable. I do think you can increase accuracy. I'm just interested in your comments on that. You know, you saw the with Dontavian Wicks fumble. I think that one could have thrown been thrown better, but right. eh, accuracy issue or a ball placement issue. Obviously, this is a guy who's playing his first season as a starter in the quarterback position. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think first of all, the Rams game, hands down Jordan Love's best play, best game of his career. He 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 improved so much from the previous two weeks. And that's exciting because now you're starting to say, okay, can he turn that corner? There were still accuracy issues in that game, but way fewer. Part of it was, you know, the play call and the game plan design, right? But at the same time, you know, you got to get that deep ball accuracy down if you can. But, you know, Jordan, the thing about his inaccuracy that that's hard for me to accept is he's been pressured the second least in the entire National Football League. The only other quarterback in the league who's been pressured uh, less times is Tua Tungavailoa. Now, you see how effective they are, right? Right. Um, now, with that being said, his accuracy, it, it is bad analytically. I think he's, if I remember correctly, he's 25th in the league in on-target percentage, according to SIS. Mm-hmm. You see it when you start seeing analytics, and then you see it on the tape, too, and you see the placement of the ball. Like like you said with the Wicks ball, not a great ball. The Musgrave ball, it's funny. Every Sunday I watch the game, and I think, this happened on this play. And then I go back and watch the tape again. I go, I was, com- I'm a knucklehead. I was completely wrong. Like it's amazing how the motion of watching the game live yeah. Yeah, yeah. paint this inaccurate picture. But the Musgrave ball, when I went back and watched it, I'm like, man, they had a defender underneath. If you're going to miss, miss high, like he missed. Right. And of course, Musgrave hauls it in. So it was one of those safe throws with the underneath leverage, the Christian Watson play where he gets hurt. Definitely a bad ball. You know, he had the whole corner yeah. to work with. I think that was yeah. a wolf concept with a uh, a wolf pivot. You had a wolf concept with a pivot off the outside in the Z or the flyer. And he he had the whole sideline to work with. He hits him on the inside shoulder, literally has to contort his body midair, 
lands on the ball, hits the turf hard, all those things. So there were still inaccuracies, but um, by far his best game of his career, I would say, even better than the Philly game, my personal opinion. Can he fix the accuracy? I think anything is possible. Many – Many times people draw the parallel with Josh Allen, right? Josh Allen was able to fix the accuracy. He came in the league with his completion percentage in the 50s, and he's fixed that. Now he's, you know, I think he was in the 70s earlier in the year, right, 72% or something. The The only difference is Josh Allen started fixing it in like his second year, and now we're in year four with Jordan Love. And I know he hasn't seen game time, and you make a great point, Brady, that, that until you're in there and you've got a 320-pound grown man bearing down on you, uh, your accuracy, it's, it's going to be hard to to really hone that skill in. But it being his fourth year working with an NFL coaching staff and and a, and a great quarterback coach in the last two years in Clement, it's uh, I don't know. It's it's if you had to if you asked me, Brady, you got to bet the farm on it, Clayton. You got to bet the farm. Is he going to fix the accuracy or not? I probably say no, but that doesn't mean it's not possible, you know. And if he plays like he did in the Rams game, you can work with that. You know, you can. Mm-hmm. So, well, let me circle back to your statement about that. You know, all of these conversations need to go back to how Brian Gutekunst is building this team, too. Mm-hmm. It and, and you can comment, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I get a sense that this is a team that, you know, we've we drafted three offensive linemen three years in a row before this year. Yeah. And I get the sense this is a team that understands it's not going to have Aaron Rodgers and wants to build a team around a quarterback that does not have to play at the level that Aaron Rodgers did. I think that's actually pretty solid foresight, in my opinion. And that goes to what you're saying, where if if Matt LaFleur can can call these sort of really well-designed plays, I think Jordan Love is capable of executing them. And then, yeah, if you were able, and like I, I'm with you, I think he can correct the accuracy issues. But if he doesn't, maybe all is not lost. Right. Yeah. No, I think it's a, I think it's a good point. I try to put blinders on and not look around the league because you can get false hope, you know, like Mm -hmm. it, the fact of the matter is this, this is what sucks. And I don't want to say what I'm about to say, but I'm going to say it. Who won the Super Bowl last year, right? The Chiefs. Chiefs. Great quarterback play. Who was the second best team? The Eagles, you know, Hurts. Great quarterback play. That, there's another player, Brady, that fixed his accuracy, right? Right, right. Um, yep. When you look at the great teams, Buffalo Bills, right? I think a lot of people would consider them great. Mm-hmm. Great quarterback, MVP caliber quarterback. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tua Tungabailoa doesn't get the the love that I think he deserves. Uh, I think he's, you know, two years in a row now he's been mentioned in the MVP talk, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So great quarterback. San Francisco, Brock Purdy. One of the one of the better quarterbacks this year, right? Not he he hasn't been completely lights out, but at one point he had what was it eleven touchdowns and one pick, whatever it was, right? So I don't want to give myself false hope, right? <laughs> and everybody mm-hmm. can fan how they want to fan. That's the only thing that in the back of my mind I'm going, man. If we pick in the top five and a mm-hmm. much better quarterback than Jordan Love falls with yeah. a higher ceiling, you got to take him because yeah, I that's, agree. History, history dictates that's how you win championships, you know? Yeah. And there are always these caveats of these quarter, uh, teams with weak quarterbacks that have stellar defense, but that's what maybe probably two or three in the last, like, 20 years. Exactly. Everybody always says Nick Foles. Yep. Nick Foles. And I'm going, yep. bro, yep. that was like a decade ago now, right? Yeah. That was a long time ago. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. I think I have the last question here. But maybe we would play a little game called this or that. I'm going to ask you uh, a question, and you can you can pick whether it's this or whether it's that. So I've got a scenario. It's third and goal at the one, and you're in a 12 personnel, all right? Do all right. you put in Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon? Ooh, man. This is this is where Matt LaFleur gets absolutely crucified, right? This, this exact yep. situation. Man. I would venture to say that most fans would say put the battering ram in, but me personally, I want experience and I want quick twitch. You know, they can, if they guess the gap, right? If they guess the gap, it doesn't matter how big AJ is. If he gets hit as he's taking that ball, it doesn't matter. How many times have we seen a play completely get blown up in Aaron Jones? I mean, just that you've seen it last Sunday, right? Where Luke Musgrave kind of got walked back a bit, recovered, drove his block inside. 
and it was supposed to be an A-gap run, and Aaron literally just a little bitty side shift, and he was in the end zone, right? So my pick would definitely be Aaron Jones. I got to follow that up to say I am 100% with you because I've been fighting this fight for so long <laughs> that you there are a couple of ways to get in the end zone from third and long, and one of them is to be, have great vision and be able to get skinny, and, and Aaron Jones does that like nobody I've ever seen. Absolutely. Yeah. So which scenario is most likely – to get Christian Watson into the Packers Hall of Fame. Scenario one is he gains 10 pounds of muscle and keeps his speed his entire career. Or scenario two, he stays the same weight. His speed is affected by age, so it declines a bit. But he has done he has Devontae Adams footwork and route running. Woo. It's tough, man, because there's so many people say speed kills in the league, right? And yeah, yeah. you see it with Tariq Hill. You really do. Yep. Me personally, though, when you talk about Packer Hall of Fame, you, you got to be consistent, right? Over a long over the long haul. I would take Devontae Adams' route running, hands down. And the reason being is because he would be more effective on a multitude of routes. You know, when you're talking speed, you get the right look, you could take a slant and house it, right? But yep. nine times out of ten, when you're talking speed, you're talking about those deep routes, especially on, along the boundary. If he had Devontae Adams' feet, Devontae Adams' route running ability, now every single, all nine routes on the tree are at your disposal, right? And mm -hmm. it's funny, if you had asked me, Aaron, if you'd asked me this three years ago, four years ago, before Aaron Rodgers' back-to-back -back MVPs, I probably would have said speed. But just seeing how teams tried to bracket cover Devontae Adams and Aaron just saying, I'm going out here and I'm thinking play or not play, and I'm I'm looking for Tay. I don't mean to rhyme, but I do it all the time, by the way. He, I'm telling you, it was like it opened everything up in my eyes, like, holy cow, dude. That's that's what all of these former executives like Pat Kerwin and all these guys who have been around football their entire career, from the lowest ranks to the very top as general manager. And, and chief of football operations, when they say when the game is on the line, think player, not play. I've seen it for two straight years, and it just still – it still depresses me to think that we let both of those guys go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going with – that's a long answer. i got to make these shorter. I'm going with Devontae Adams' route run for sure. Hey, you take your time, brother. I love listening to you. And I, the only thing I'm going to add uh, – I am we're in lockstep on that one. The only caveat I would add is I think that would also make Jordan Love's – accuracy issues pot potentially a non-issue and open the playbook for him a whole lot too absolutely yeah, yeah. good point john runyon or sean ryan oh lord boy y'all trying to get me canceled <laughs> we <laughs> gotta have fun with everybody a little <laughs> bit here this has been a hot button topic all week um yeah i like what we've seen out of uh, out of sean ryan but it it is pretty remarkable how many people were you know and, and I'm listen, when I say people are saying this, I'm not trying to be negative. I'm just fascinated by others' opinion. I really am. Some people take that as, oh, he disagrees and he thinks he's no, I'm not trying to be snarky. But when I heard people talking about Sean Ryan, if I hadn't watched the game and I hadn't looked at the snap count, I would think, man, he must have dominated all game. He played 15 snaps. Like yeah. he played good, don't get me wrong. Um, but Runyon, great pass blocker for the most part, not this past week. Of course, it, now we're, we're learning he's got a neck injury, right? Mm -hmm. But um, if it were me right now with the state of the team and knowing that we're probably not competing this year, probably not competing next year, it's probably a 2025 kind of gear up and go because a lot of that cap's going to free up. I would probably say, you know what, let's go with Ryan and see what we've got because if Ryan isn't the guy, okay, then you can always fall back to John Runyon and this sounds very cold, but this is how the league works. The business operates. The fact that you did sit him because he wasn't playing quote unquote well enough, all that does is decrease his value. And you could probably try to get him for cheaper when that contract does expire. But yeah, I mean, we won't know what Sean Ryan is until we get a good sample size. It's just 15 snaps. I can't go. Yeah, that's the guy. Right. But right. Um, only based off the situation of the team right now. I would say let's see what Sean Ryan's got. And it, it kind of looks like we're going to be forced to to see that if John Runyon is banged up, right? So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I've got another scenario for you. Jordan Love went 20 for 26 with a touchdown and no interceptions, and he had a passer rating of over 115. Was it the line play or the running game? Mm. I think, honestly uh, – 
I think it was love. I do. You know, I'm going to kind of steer off there a little bit and say the thing that that I think a lot of people have overlooked is, yes, the accuracy is an issue, but the timing has been as much, if not more of an issue. Mm -hmm. There's times that the swing is there. There's times that there's a certain route, but he's late getting to the read. And he's late delivering the ball. Even when he knows my primary read's going to be open, it's like he's hesitating. You heard Coach LaFleur talk about that. They want him to just clear his mind and go out there and play. A good example is the Tay Wicks play where he hits Tay Wicks on an out route. And he had to – Josh Myers completely blew the pass block. Surprise, surprise. Right? Um, he had to change his platform, his throwing platform, and kind of throw sidearm around the defender. And it was a dot. It was an absolute dot. And the reason being is instinct took over. He wasn't right. thinking about, I've got to make sure I'm planting, I'm stepping into the throw. He was just out there playing ball. And that throw, I went, whoa, okay, that's what we need. So I think there are a lot of people in his head. I've heard a multitude of people say that, that I trust. Um, and Matt LaFleur was kind of one of them that was saying that. Coach LaFleur was like, you just got to go out there and shut everything off and play. Um, so I, I, I think uh, many people aren't giving Jordan Love enough credit for this game. But I think it was Love that did it. I really do. I think that was his coming out party. Like, hey, look, okay, he can play quarterback in this league. And like Brady pointed out, Aaron, you, yeah, the, the Rams aren't a great team, but Aaron freaking Donald was staring him in the face every single – not every single snap, but most of the game, right? So yeah. um, that that needs to be taken into account too. Yeah. Anything out of that? Um, no, go ahead. No. Go ahead with the next one. <laughs> I, I just want to hear the answer to the next one, so I'm not even going to say Oh, you that. do? <laughs> Um, Aaron Jones talked about how the NFL is only allowing 40 seconds before the PAT is attempted and it's causing the players to have to choose between celebrating with their teammates or doing the Lambo leap. Now, if you were to score your first touchdown and your first and only touchdown at Lambo, would you choose to celebrate or leap? Oh, um, this is, this is the easiest question y'all have asked me. I'm leaping. I'm, yeah, I'm, not only am I leaping, and now I might need a step ladder. They might have to roll. Yeah. A step ladder. <laughs> I know, definitely. That wall yeah. is a lot higher than people realize. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm leaping, and I'm grabbing a daddy soda from a fan, and I'm stone cold right. it, dumping yeah. it. You know what I'm saying? The whole nine yards. Maybe it's just such a, mustard. You know something. Yeah, like that. exactly. It's such a tradition that like um, there was a lot of people mad at Musgrave over that, right? They're like, right. yeah, how's he not going to Lambo leap this and that? You got to think too, it, it, the emotion of the game. You get the game ceiling touchdown. I, I don't hold it against them as much, um, but yeah, I would, I would, I would. If I was a team leader in Green Bay, I'd stand up in front of the team this week and go, hey, "I got something to say, guys. Listen, we all love each other. We all want to celebrate with each other. But if we've got to choose, getting the getting the stands, getting the stands, the fans, going. Yeah. I love Lambo leap, man. Absolutely. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah, it's worth the fines when you uh, steal somebody's beverage. That's right. Yep. <laughs> I thought I was going to be the only one. I was. I was going to say I'm just narcissistic enough to want to be on TV. <laughs> uh, no, I would leave for sure, for sure. All right, we're going to go steer a little bit away from football here with this question: bacon wrapped fillet or ribeye? Bacon wrapped fillet or ribeye? Man, I don't want to sound fancy here, but oh. right here in town there is a place called Rio Brazilian Steakhouse. Right? Oh. They have the absolute best bacon wrap fillet. Before I tried Rio, um, I would have I would have probably went the opposite direction. But after trying that bacon wrap fillet the way they cook it, oh my god! Yeah, I'm going bacon wrap fillet. I'm just bougie enough now. Listen, I, I grew up on government cheese and put myself <laughs> in a position now where I can enjoy nice things. I'm taking the bacon wrap fillet, man. That's just yeah. take the bacon, Aaron. How about you? Oh, I'm a bacon wrap filet bacon for wrap sure. Filet? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I would normally, I'm a bit of a foodie, so I, I would, I'm going to caveat this one. I would normally probably go ribeye because I think it has more flavor, but mm-hmm. I would, I love a bacon wrap filet too. I just had one the other day. Yeah. And you're what? right on ribeye, man. It's got great flavor. It yeah, does. Yeah. If so you know good. how to cook it, Randy knows how to cook them very well. This last question seems like an inside joke. But I'll ask anyway. Yeah, Brady wrote this one for Aaron. Brady wrote this one. I don't know what it means. If you could have Ryan Schlipp, the pack daddy, who we've had on the show before. He's our first guest, wasn't he? He was he I think he was our first guest, maybe. Um, do any do one of the following, what would it be? Either one, dress like a ballerina and sing you happy birthday on your birthday, or two, 
dress up like Barbie and go trick or treating at least for one hour in public with his kids. Is oh, this something that happened? Oh my God. <laughs> no, but I but I know Ryan, and I, I want Ryan to have to do one of these. I'm thinking of a bet, hopefully at some. Point. Hey, there you go. I'm all about it. Um, for me, it's easy. It's it's definitely dress up like Barbie and trick or treat for an hour. Okay. And the reason being is because I'm believe it or not, I'm I'm very much so an introvert. I'm the guy that when I'm in public and somebody falls down, I'll look away and act like I didn't see them. <laughs> My wife, being the extrovert, will run over to them and go, ah, and laugh and point. And like, she is totally the opposite, right? She's very outgoing. So people singing happy birthday, especially to me, really makes my Michael Myers flare up. I'm just uh-huh. like, it, I get so uncomfortable. So yeah, that being said, dress them up like Barbie, paint the nails and send them out there trick-or-treating. That's what I do. All right, man. Oh, man, this has been fun. It's been so good talking to you. I got I got one last I got one flyer to throw your way. You got a prediction for the game this weekend. This is a big one against the Steelers. You know, it's tough. Uh, Many people were just kind of writing the Packers off. Right. And I was totally I started diving into the game just earlier. We got a pod coming up here tonight at eight o'clock, seven central. And um, I I was kind of diving into the numbers and looking at the Pittsburgh Steelers. And I was really thinking, man, this is this probably going to get ugly. And you look at it, their offense is struggling. You know, Jordan Love is actually having, according to PFF, a better year than Kenny Pickett is. So when you take that into consideration, I think the line right now is it was at three. I think some have it at three and a half now, and the Packers are three and a half point underdogs. Um, It's on the road, tough place to play. It's a great defense. It's going to come down to turnover differential, how, how well we protect the football. If we can come out plus one on the turnover differential with the way that offense is, I think the Packers can win it. If you if you had to hold my feet to the fire and say, give me a prediction, I'm going to say that I'm going to do, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say the Packers are going to win. They're going to win 17 to 14. What I'm going to say. Okay. Low scoring game. Now I'm a homer, man. So <laughs> take that as you will. <laughs> All right. All right, man. Well, great talking to you. Thank you so much for jumping on. And actually, we're we're using your system to do this, so everybody should know. Uh, you know, Clayton's <laughs> helping us out this time around, and we really appreciate that. Let's get together and do something. Maybe collab sometime. What do you say? Oh, dude, I'm I'm all for it. The what, the best part about starting this podcasting and and YouTube and everything, or the people I've met, is just absolutely unbelievable. Like far and away, my favorite part too. Yeah, far and away. It's what it's about. It's what it's about, man. It's just connecting with people and, uh, and you know, finding the positives and muting and blocking the negatives. That's the goal, right? And (laughs) enjoy the season as best you can. And like I said, uh, I'm all about it, Brady. That would be awesome. That's the thing about you that I've noticed is you're just so positive. My goodness. (laughs) I was going through your Twitter and all of a sudden I was like, this season hasn't been so bad. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. People read my Twitter and they're like, man, we went undefeated. Look at he this. He's just in the best mood. <laughs> the, the big thing, I I, I can get, get kind of ugly sometimes, but I only get ugly when people hop in my mentions. And, mm. you know, it's it's literally like they're knocking on my front door and I answer, they walk in and, and then tell me how everything about my life is wrong. <laughs> like, yep. I can't play that game. But – you know, if someone disagrees, hey, we can respectfully disagree. I, I've learned way more from people that I've disagreed with than agreed with, that's for sure. And with uh, the state of our country and the political climate and everything else, I feel like we need more of that. And we always wrap up every show with, hey, let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world. And uh, I finally reached that that point in my life where it's like, you know what? All this stuff doesn't matter. We're, we're way more alike than some of the other people would lead us to believe. And all you got to do is uh, – like Dusty Evely gave me a boss one time on Twitter because I'm like, what you're saying to me, Aaron, I said the same thing to Dusty. I'm like, dude, you're never arguing with people. And he said, Clayton, it's a choice whether you want to engage or not. Mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah. you know what? That's true. So that's uh, that's it. Again, focus on the positive and uh, you, you'll draw to you what you are. So if you're a positive person and you try to find the the plus and things, you'll those people will gravitate towards you. That's what it's all about. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Even in a down year, we can have a good time. Yeah. Indeed. Right. Well, where can everybody find you? Where can we connect with you? Um, you can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. Uh, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just type in Packers total access. And uh, that's usually where I'm at on Twitter. 
you know, there's you can you can email me too. It's Packers Total Access at gmail.com. But uh, I'm always in them uh, in them Twitter streets, so you can find me out there. Me too. I'll see you there. Right. Sounds good. <laughs> All right, Clayton. Thank you so much. Talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you, Brady. It was a blast, bud. All right. Well, that will do it, I think, for us today. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for naming us. I think yeah. this has been a really fun process. Uh, lots of football left to play. Hopefully the Packers can come back with a big win against the Steelers. In the meantime, start looking for our new name out there because we're going to be spreading it around like wildfire. And hopefully Packers will beat the Steelers this weekend. You guys take it easy. We'll talk to you again next time. Go Pack. Go Pack.